0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: All right. Thank you, Kent. And I would just say that when I looked around and wanted to go further in my recovery, I looked and seen what you guys were doing. And you've always been a a wonderful mentor for me. Very helpful. And because I wanted what you guys had. So I'll just pray. Start us out with a prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, me, the 12 steps, essay, recovery, living life, especially spiritual matters, so that I may have an open mind for a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. And God, I just pray that I get out of the way and I'll just take this next step and leave the results up to you. Amen. Well, I think what I wanted to share today about would be about what the real problem is. you know. I thought coming into this program that the problem was about acting out and about lust and that if that was gone, I would be okay. But that truly is far from the problem. So as we go through this little, I'm gonna kind of go through the big book. Just if we can remember that connection to that power is actually what I'm trying to connect with. And that is really what I would say is the purpose of the steps. When I first came into this program, if I'm taking a sponsee through, you know, I a lot of the times like to ask a guy, Did you have a choice? And a lot of times they say, of course I had a choice. But as we go back through their lives and we start looking at how many times the devastating effects of the disease has taken them out, how they've promised themselves not to do it again, as we look at the next spree. And in that moment, I can ask them, does this look like a man that has a choice in this moment? And the answer is no, we really don't have a choice. Because if we believe we have a choice, then we believe that we have the power. And We Agnostics talks about the God of Reasoning. And the God of Reasoning with a capital R is the only power I really have outside of being connected to a power greater than myself. And that power is, for me... The God of reasoning is all I've ever had. And it's not a power sufficient to deal with my sexaholism. So as I look on the bottom of page 25, it kind of gives me two choices. I've come to a place where I believe I don't have any power. And step two, I start looking for that power. And on the bottom of 25, it says, last sentence, one was to go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And we all understand that very well. And the other was to accept spiritual help. But when I first read that, I thought, wow, that's, you know, that sounds like a a very easy choice there. But I didn't understand what that really meant. Then on page 44, it, it tells me it again. The second paragraph, ending of it, says, to be doomed to a sexaholic death, which means that I have no choice to not keep putting myself in harm's way to the destructiveness in my life. To be doomed to this sexaholic death that I cannot stop because I don't have the power or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And when I first read that again, I thought, well, I'll take the spiritual basis. And I came into this program with a faith tradition, believing that I already had a spiritual basis. But the truth was that that wasn't working. And I, but I didn't know why. And I've come to learn that it wasn't because I had a lack of faith or I had a lack of trust. All of that was true. What I had was, was a lack of connection to the power. I was using my power. I But what I needed was a power greater than myself. And if we look on page 45, it really, and the reason I think it's important to look at this before we go deeper is because I want to set early into the minds, especially of any newcomers coming here, that just coming in and getting sober, not acting out. The lust is the thoughts that once we stop acting out, the lust are the thoughts, the drinks that we take that lead us back to acting out. But once we stop acting out, sober is not well. And if we just live in that state of what they call a dry drunk, we're gonna suffer a lot because the real problem is the disconnection from my power. That's my real problem. And and there's a suffering that comes with that. And we're gonna see as we go through this, it's really a lot more. This book will show us that I'm really suffering from. So on page 45, first full paragraph, it says, Lack of power. That was my dilemma. I put everything in first person. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously, but where and how to find that power? Well, the next sentence tells me the relationship and the connection, what that's going to look like. It's not, it's not going to be that I have a power greater than myself, it's going to be that the power greater than myself has me. And I think that's important that I focus on that because in the next sentence, it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable me to find or connect to a power greater than myself. And I like to underline the word which, because which, and this is on page 45, which will solve my problem. It doesn't say that I need to connect and find a power which will help me solve my problem. And I think that's the key because we're going to get into the third step and start looking at. I am the problem itself, me wanting to be in control. There's not enough room on the throne of my heart for both me and my higher power, I choose to call God, to be on there at the same time. Something has to happen. And in order for my higher power as a perfect gentleman, um, won't override my free will, will wait till I step down and ask for my higher power to take that place. So I, I need to connect to a power greater than myself. We move on and then to page 60, Bill W does a fantastic job to let me see what, what does it look like for me to be in self, for me to be in the control. The last paragraph of the page, it says the first requirement, which means toward me healing past just being sober, but moving into recovery now is that i be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And so it gives me a great example of what does that look like. And even to this day, if I go back into self, which means I disconnect from the power, this is what my life is like. On that basis, I am almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives are good. We're going to find as we go through this process that long when the lust and the acting out is gone, I start focusing on any type of disturbance that lets me know that self is reemerging. I'm not going to go through it, but on page 61, it's a beautiful description of what that looks like. What is it like to be in self? And I'm trying to run the show. I'm basically doing God's job. My my ego and myself is not some evil force. It's the only thing I have at this point in my life that's caring for me. So it's going to do whatever it has to do. It's going to be dishonest. It's going to manipulate. It's full of fear. And it's, uh, and it has resentments because people with expectations, which are a resentment that is forming is not doing what I need them to do. So I'm okay. Cause it's sole purpose is to take care of me. And it says on the uh, top of 62, first full paragraph, it really describes what is defeating me. What's taking me out of connection with that power. And it sells selfishness and self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles driven by a hundred forms of fear self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. It goes on to say that we step on the toes. I'm in constant collision with something or somebody when I'm in self because I'm trying to take care of myself and it doesn't work. I operate out of selfishness and I hurt others. So at the bottom, we have to, in our first step, um, this is the how and why of it. It goes through this beautiful section. I'm going to run through it pretty quickly but it said, first of all, I had to quit playing God, which means I have to step down and give God all control. It said it doesn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, which means now he's in control. I am his agent. He is my father and I am his child. It says most good ideas are simple and this concept. The concept is that I'm going to turn my will and my life over the care of God was the keystone of a new and triumphant arch. Through which I passed to freedom. On the next page, it goes through and it starts listing out the promises. And for time, I'm just going to get to the ones that I I really enjoy. That when I step down off that throne, it says about midway of that first paragraph. As I felt new power flow in, which is the case when I step down off that throne. As I enjoy peace of mind, as I discovered that I can face life successfully, I became conscious of His presence, and we begin to lose our fear of today tomorrow, or the hereafter, we were reborn. One of the things that those promises is, if I'm connected to God, I'm living in a God-centered love. If I'm back in self, I'm living in self-centered fear. And just the opposite, if I'm back in self, I do not feel that power flow in. I don't enjoy peace of mind. In fact, I'm living in insanity. I cannot face life successfully because I think everybody else is the problem. And I began to lose my consciousness of his presence. And I began to get fear again of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. One of the things my sponsor had me do early on was to get the app for the Webster's 1913 dictionary, because this is the dictionary that Bill W. used as he wrote this book and what he was attuned to. And I want to look up the word offer in it, because what we do here After we've gone through this section, we're going to now take our third step promise, which is a covenant that I'm committing, that I'm going to turn my will, which is my thinking, and the only thinking I have, which is my willpower or my God of reasoning, that I'm in that place. I'm going to turn my will, which is my thinking, and my life, which are my actions, over to the care of God. That means self is going to step down, no longer takes care of me. And God is going to replace that. And the great power is going to come in and start taking care of me. And I get to trust that. But that's a process that I need the steps to even be able to do that. When I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, that decision is just that. It's like I make a decision to go to college. And the next day I call them and say, hey, where's my diploma at? I've I've made this decision to go to college. And they're like, well, you have to register and you have to get the books and go to the classes and do the work. And so this is much the same. Making a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God isn't a one and done deal. It's a commitment to do the work, which we're going to look at as steps four through nine, which is the spiritual program of action. And we're going to see why that's important. But I wanted to see as we start this um, third step prayer, God, I offer myself. What does offer mean? And in the 1913 dictionary, it says to present as an act of worship, to immolate, to sacrifice, to present in prayer or devotion, often with up. And so I said, immolate. Okay, what is immolate? So when I looked at immolate, I thought this was very important. When I say I offer to sacrifice, to offer and sacrifice, to kill as a sacrificial victim, what am I offering? I'm offering self. My ego, I'm willing to step down and let God have the throne of my heart. And for me, coming into this program, my faith tradition was not enough to do that. It took steps four through nine to accomplish that. And so it goes on to say, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Before this, lust was relieving me of the bondage of self. The suffering, the insanity, the fear, the resentments—all of my life just being in destructive in uh, destruction—and all the things that I was doing, lust was relieving the pain of that. And really, we're going to find it's relieving me from the the pain of the separation from what I'm really looking for. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties. That victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of. And this is, I believe, for me, my own personal experience, how I received it. Thy power. That's what I got first from God. I'd have a temptation. I'd go to God. He'd relieve it. I'd have a temptation. I would go to God and he would relieve it. And I think for years, my goal was to not take a drink, not take a look, don't act out. And I became a slave to that process. Self was still very much in control. There was no freedom from lust. And I didn't even believe that it was true that there was a place like that. I heard some of the old timers speak of it. And I thought, well, I can't believe that's true because, man, I am working this program hard. But by going to his power over and over and over to be relieved, living free from acting out and at times still taking drinks, I started to experience his love. And then thy way of life, may I do thy will always, has everything to do with complete surrender and connecting to the power, which we're going to see. Once with a sponsee, we take this third step. At the very bottom, it says, next. And I want you to look at that on your big book if you're there. Because that tells us after we take our third step prayer, when to start into this next fourth step. Next. My guys have their notebooks, their pens. They're big books ready to go. And the minute we take that third step prayer, we go to a place that, that, you know, where's the most beautiful place in our area that you love the most? We go there, we kneel down, we take it. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Now, these next few sentences are really important if you want to do some highlighting or underlining. Though our decision, our step three, to turn our will, our thinking, and our God of reasoning and our lives over to the care of God was a vital and crucial step. It could have an underlying little permanent effect. I think that's so important. People that we find often that is having little permanent effect with their program is because they haven't done the spiritual program of action a working a thorough steps four through nine. So it could have little permanent effect unless at once that means What's quicker next or at once, whichever is fastest we do it, followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves, which had been blocking us. That's why we're working these four through nine is to remove those things that are blocking us, blocking us from what is a good question, blocking us from connection to that power. And as we go through these, because it tells us here, our lust and our acting out was but a symptom. So we had to get down into causes and conditions. Now I'm going to skip forward on four through nine. We don't have time to go through the inner workings of those steps, but those steps are the things that will remove the blocks from us that the power starts to flood. in. it's like a conduit, little pebbles. We start pulling those rocks out. That flow starts filling up. And the truth is, is that God was always with me, but I was blocked from connecting to him. He never left me. So as we work through our steps four through nine, we have a spiritual experience. The blockers are removed and we find ourselves on page 84. Now on page 83, it starts and we read about the ninth step promises. And it says that those start occurring before we are halfway through. I started experiencing those promises, really my fourth step. I started to really experience them because I started removing those blockers of resentments and the fears inventory. And I started experiencing God. Then the fifth step just kind of blew it open. I mean, it was just like, so we get down to the end of our ninth step promises. We've had a spiritual experience. We've worked the spiritual program of action. And now we get into the 10th step. And the 10th step is so important because what the 10th step is, I've cleaned out all the blockers. The 10th step is the maintenance that I get to do on a daily basis to make sure that the blockers don't come back into my life and start disconnecting me from the connection of the power. Because now I'm connected to the power. Here's what it says. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we take a personal inventory, which means we work four through nine and continue to set right any new mistakes. Step nine. As we go along, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We've already gone through, made our amends. We've entered the world of the spirit. That's the promise. Now I'm connected to the power. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter, which means that I will go from connection to back into self. Connection to back into self as I practice this. And that means I go from insanity back into insanity. It should continue for a lifetime. So if we wonder, well, how long do we're going to do this? I don't have to, but I get to do this every day. And if, and if it's a practice, much like a diabetic that learns to manage his disease, he just gets up, takes his insulin, checks his blood sugar, watches what he eats. He manages his disease. And if he decides one day, I'm just not, I'm tired of doing this. He doesn't have to do it, but what he's going to start feeling the effects of that disease immediately. And that's my case. I am not cured of this disease. So it should continue for our lifetime. And we here's what we continue to watch for. And these are the blockers. And these are what we really get to dial in on. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Now those all start out as thoughts. And the more we connect to the power, the more we practice this, the more we recognize those thoughts And for me, they come as a form of a disturbance, right? It lust and acting out has nothing to do. It has to do with these disturbances. I like to know that, you know, Bill worked with the Oxford group. He was a part of that. And there's four absolutes. And I love how these four absolutes tie right into these four things that I'm supposed to continue to watch. So I write absolute in the margin. And then above selfishness, the first one is absolute unselfishness. I love to see it in my book. Above dishonesty, I write honesty, absolute honesty. Above resentment, I write purity, absolute purity. And we're not talking sexual purity. I'm talking purity of my heart, any ill will, any type of separation from another person, like it says in Recovery Continue, when I separate from person, I'm separating from God. It's just another block that will take me out. And the big one above fear It's absolute love that goes above there. So those are the four absolutes that I try to, as an ideal, grow towards. When these crop up, so not if, but when these crop up and they will, because I'm going, I can't live permanently connected to the power. I have tools now and they give us four good tools and me knowing it can quote it, can share it, doesn't do me any good if I don't do it. So somebody that has no understanding of any of this that will do these four things are far better off than somebody like myself if I know it, but don't do them. So when I detect some selfishness or some sort of dishonesty, or I am I have something against somebody or somebody's hurt me and I'm not letting go of that, or I have some fear about something that's coming up. Number one, always number one, is I ask God at once to remove them. I discuss them with someone immediately which means I could text them or talk to somebody and make amends quickly. If I've harmed anyone and the big one, then I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help love and tolerance is my code. Now, if you remember back on page 60, we read that when self will runs my life, I'm always in collision with something or someone. I know when I'm back in self, when that starts happening again, but it tells me here when I've cleaned out the stuff, they're blockers. I'm connected to the power. I'm living in God-centered love. I'm living in a state of sanity. Second step says, came to believe in a power greater than myself can restore to me sanity. That happens the moment I'm connected to the power. It has nothing to do with lust. It says here, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. So we've gone from in constant collision with something or somebody to cease fighting anything or anyone, even lust. Lust does not exist. If I'm connected to the power, I didn't believe there was a place like that. I know hundred percent. Now there is for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in lust. I'm not interested in lust. Lust was what I needed when I was disconnected from the power. It goes on to the next page. And when I'm connected, I've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I've not even sworn off being sworn, swearing something off is still about self. Instead, the problem has been removed. And remember, the problem was never lust acting out. It's not a lack of faith or a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of connection to the power. And it does not exist for us. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. I can't do anything about my spiritual condition but i can work on my fit spiritual condition by applying the rules of step 10 on a daily basis to continue to watch and i need god's i say in the morning when i pray god thank you for your power so that i can continue to watch for selfishness dishonesty resentment and fear because i cannot on self and it also says that what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual conditions my only job is to just to continue with the maintenance of it Now, one thing that I want to say that a half measure is just doing this. The other half of this, which is, and I have found, is what truly connects me to the power, is on the next page, on page 86, we're into their step 11. The first paragraph gives us about, I don't know how many questions. We have them broke out. Um, I have them already in a a little note that I copy and paste into an an email every night. If I'm just doing the 10th step without this part of it, it doesn't work. I'm just going to tell you. But when I answer, it says, when we retire at night, that doesn't mean it when I'm crawling into bed, I'm too far past at that point. That means retire at night means I just had my dinner. Me and my wife are taking a moment apart, You know, kind of getting ready for our evening together. That's when I retire at night. That's when I do it. Not doing it is not an option for me. So I, I get that done first. We constructively not destructively. So I I write down the good things as far as, and and the bad. There's no bad. I say my shortcomings. We review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? I get to tell another human being exactly what was going on today with me, good and bad. Do we owe an apology if we kept something to ourselves? And I won't go through the whole list. But what happens for me is I answer those questions. There's prayer and meditation. It says on the page before that, that we enter into prayer, meditation, prayer, is me asking God. Meditation is me listening and waiting on God. That is so important. Four through nine is all about when I do that resentment inventory, I mark out God's doing that for me. When I ask him uh, to, in a fear inventory, direct my attention to what you would have me be, or in the fourth step, fourth column resentment, you know, show me my mistakes. I'm not wanting to write some intellectual. God shows me. Stuff that I can't see. That's the practice when we start relying upon God to give us. So when we ask here, I ask these questions God, show me through my day. I take some time of meditation. I write these out. And what's so nice about taking that time to do that, every day I do it, the next day as I go through my day, I've already got all these questions in my mind. I've done it so many times. It's like, oh, you're going to have to put that on your resentment inventory. You know, if And and the one that says, have we been kind and loving towards all, that's inwardly too. And sometimes the silliest things where me and my wife are watching a game show and I'm not being kind inside and I'm like, ah, it's got to go on my inventory. It's so embarrassing. But we start seeing these things that'll take us out. Now, one of the things that's so important that I have to realize that when I'm connected to the power, if any of these four, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear crop up, That alerts me that self is reemerging or self has reemerged. And from self trying to care for me, I'm going to start looking to see these. The the big one for me is they say resentment is the number one offender. How do I know if I'm going to, if I'm getting closer because I have an expectation. They say an expectation is a resentment that is forming. It's really a demand because why am I expecting now something of others is because I'm back into trying to control my life and I need them to show up or be, or perform a certain way. So I get what I need because now self is out there trying to take care of me. Dishonesty. I can see that where if I share a sentence with somebody and I leave off the couple of words, because it may affect the outcome when I'm trying to manage an outcome, I'm in disease. I know if I'm not willing to share the whole sentence and whatever, it, whatever is the result of that, if I'm not willing, I'm not trusting God again. I'm back in self, um, I'm being selfish. So when something disturbs me, and it says on the bottom of page 87, that as we go through the day, we pause when agitated. Boy, that right there is telling me, if I don't, I'm gonna disconnect from the power every time. Because if that's the 911 now, if I feel a disturbance and I feel a resentment, and I'm like, I just don't want to let this go, I'm in real trouble. Because it says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. We ask for the right thought or action. So that's me going to God, like it gets said in my 10th step. We pray at once for God to remove this. If I don't do that, if I hold on to something, some ill will in my heart that's not pure, Sure as heck. Even if it's a little resentment or it's a little fear, because I'm out of the present into the future, where there's fear, or in the past where there's regret and self pity and resentment, I'm not present. I'm not connected to power. It won't take very long, and I don't know how long that is. But if I'm connected to the power, I could walk through a store. Me and my wife can watch shows. I'm not, you know, being triggered. There may be something that I look away because. I recoil from that because I don't want to disconnect from God. But what I notice is, is what the change is, is if I don't take care of those, is that I want that now. I'll see something instead of not wanting it, just knowing it's not good for me to wait a minute. I'm attracted to that. I'm wanting that. That's because my addict, myself, has reemerged it didn't deal with these things. It's trying to take care of me. And now I'm separated. I need something to medicate that. And the first sign is if I get a temptation, I'm in deep trouble already. I'm in deep trouble if I don't deal with the fear and pray, God, direct my attention to what you have PB. Help me to humbly rely upon you to work those tools to get back into the present, to look at the gratitudes I have from everything that God's blessed me. When I'm connected to God, this is the truth. I have peace and serenity. And from that comes the gift of acceptance. I can't manufacture acceptance. like I'm just going to be in acceptance today. Acceptance comes from me trusting God that whatever is happening in my life on that day is exactly as the way God would have it. I may not understand it, and I may not even like it, but I get to trust that God is with me, will bring me through that And what I usually find is three, four days later, when I see other doors open and close and God's working in my life is, wow, what I was wanting back here could never have happened as God was given to me over here, which is so much better. So I get to trust that every valley I go through that feels like, God, where are you? Early on, I didn't feel like God was with me. And he said, I'm right here. So they weren't as deep. When I'm on the mountaintop, it's great. It's like God is good. Go back down into the valley. And somebody once told me that there's no food on the mountaintop. Got to go down and through those valleys. That's where the real food in, and that's where the growth happens. That's where I learn to trust God more. So if I have a resentment or some fear and I'm holding on to it or some self pity, I'm going to have a temptation. And if I don't act then, well the next thing that's going to come is lust is going to come and offer me a mental image or the opportunity to take that second drink and once I drink any into my body the phenomenon of craving kicks in and either I suffer as that dissipates out because for me if I'll go to God the moment of temptation he's always relieved it if I pause I've already made a very deadly decision and I take the drink and then I'm either going to act out to relieve that restless the uh, the phenomenon of craving, or I'm going to suffer work as it dissipates. But if I'm connected to the power, that's so far down the trail that I just need to continue to watch for those selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear to see. Now, on page 14, I'll end here. There's one thing that will help me to avoid those or to be ready for those certain trials and low spots. And that is working with others. Step 12, nothing, you know, uh, as a sponsor, a sponsee may think that the sponsor has great power, but it's not true. The great power has the sponsor. The greatest thing for my sponsors is as they get to know me, they say, wait a minute, this guy is just a sick and suffering sexaholic, just like me. Yes, I am. I am not cured of this. And Being connected to God and allowing God to use me keeps me in a place of neutrality, safe and protected. And so how does that work? Well, my friend, which was at Ebby Thatcher, told Bill, had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs, particularly was an imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. We're on the very last paragraph at the page. Faith without works was dead. He said, how appallingly true for the sexaholic." For if a sexaholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, which means being used by God to help others to give away what he's been given, he would surely lust, act out, drink again. And if he lust, acts out, or drinks, he will surely die, then faith would be dead indeed. For that is just like that with us. One of the greatest stories, and if you know this story, it'll it'll help you. If you don't, then I'll just try and fill in real quick. Page thirty-five. Jim, he started drinking it at age thirty-five, so he's on page thirty-five. And this is a great story of somebody that didn't go on through the spiritual program. Action four through nine. Jim was a guy. He was a good guy. Had a great war record. He owned a a car business, but his drinking, in our case, our acting and lusting, took everything away from us. And if it hasn't yet, it will. He was completely, and he lost his family for whom he had much affection. So we told, and the answers we had found, he made a beginning right there. He worked his steps one, two, three he started re- receiving the freedom of not drinking like a lot of us we don't we stop acting out everything is good we let up on the program but it says here his family was reassembled he starts we start reconnecting with our families and he began to work as a salesman for a business he had lost through drinking all went well for a time but it says here but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life and he knew if he took another drink he's going to lose his family he's going to lose everything else But on the next page, we see that Jim walks into a restaurant because of the mental obsession, thought it would be okay to put an ounce of whiskey in his milk. And for me, if I fail to enlarge my spiritual life, then I'm going to have little permanent effect. And somewhere down the road, I'm going to think it's okay. I walk into a grocery store to take that visual drink. And I'm just fooling myself. But the sad thing is, is I'm missing out on all the joy and peace and serenity Of being connected to the power. Last thing I'll read here on page 159, it's in the middle of the second paragraph, maybe hard to find. It says, Though they knew they must help other sexaholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary because we do it so we stay sober, but it became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. So for me, The 12 steps is so much more than not drinking, not looking at images, not acting out with prostitutes. It's about finally, after all my life, myself gets to quit trying to run my life, step down from the throne of my heart, give that to God, and just trust God in everything. And my life was completely transformed. Lust does not exist unless, and it could happen today, I get a disturbance. I push it aside and rather set in the self-pity, a temptation is just down the road. So the minute I find that disturbance, I detect it. That's the 911. So with that, I will uh, stop there. And God bless you all. Thank you.
2: And uh, Dennis, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, your life before this program. You, You were... Totally involved in everything that you were doing in your life in the, before this program. And now you're totally involved with in this program. You am exemplify what my sponsor always likes to say is God and step work first, family second, everything else third. And I yeah. uh, really appreciate the message today. The, tell me, because you rely so much on trust with your higher power, what example or examples can you give that really helped you to? trust that by letting go and letting your higher power be in charge, you are going to be okay.
1: Thank you, Kent. Um, I think that every single person has to go through the process of testing that to step out and just give it to God and just see what happens. Um, I recently, back in October, was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and I had some fear around that but I really went in to work the steps, prayer and meditation. I never had a, a temptation to act out, but God really came and ministered and, and shared through prompting or vision or whatever, however God does that. And let me know that there's going to be a gift in this, but I thought it would come at the end. But the truth is the gift came as I watched God take me through this process, open doors, Make the impossible for me happen to get a team of doctors that was, you know, very well sought after. It'd be like for me getting the lottery. I left it in God's hands. If I'm to do the surgeon here in in Alaska, that's had a couple hundred of these surgeries or a surgeon that's done over 4,000, that was in his hands. And regardless of who did it, I trusted that I didn't ask for how it would turn out, but I trusted that however it turned out, God would be with me no matter what. And I think that just comes through practice and testing that and seeing that, man, every time I trust God, my life is better. And every time I go back into self, the insanity, the darkness rolls in. I'm starting to have conflict with everybody. I'm back in fear. I'm wanting to lust and act out. When I recoil from it as from a hot flame is when I go from that peaceful trust and allowing God to do for me, if I go back into self, all of a sudden the insanity comes on like, whoa, what am I doing back here? This is crazy. I go back really quick. That's what I recoil from, not from lust, but I recoil from going back into self. And I realized that if I go down that path a little bit, the error isn't, oh, I looked, it took a second look. The error was I went back into self and that was the 911. And I don't do it perfectly, but I get to trust and I get to, I have the tools now. I think I have the choice now to go back to God where before I did not have the choice to not act out with all those people I was acting out with on a daily basis or two or three times a week. Anyways, for sure.
2: Thanks, Dennis. Yeah. So take the action and let go of the outcome. Yeah. So I'll I'll open up for questions. Thanks.
1: You're welcome, Kent. And thank you brother for all your help. You've been a big part of my, great to see you. Yeah. Good to see you.
2: David sexaholic just real quickly. Um, First of all, I really appreciate you going through the big book, and uh, I think people often uh, forget how that's the foundation, and we don't have to invent the foundation; we just have to remember it. And uh, secondly, uh, I was thinking about the words "happy," "joyous," and "free," and and how those are just words on a page, one thirty-one or whatever it is, one thirty-two, but um, but they actually are get lived out, and you you talked about that, and you exemplified it, and and um, and the, what happens with me with happy, joyous, and free is they're far greater than anything I ever could have imagined, and, and that that's a lot of what you kept emphasize. So thanks. So this is a compliment. Uh, listening to you, Dennis, was like uh, not drinking from a fire hose. It was like drinking from five
1: at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. you the glory. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate that. I, I just want to make one comment about that. I was like two minutes before we were starting this. And I'm thinking normally kind of God gives me inspiration and an idea of what I'm going to share about. And I'm like, Oh, come on, God. I don't, I feel like I'm just going to be a blank here. I'm going to have to like, and so I just said, well, I'll just take the next step and leave the results up to him. So I didn't, I didn't know what was going to come out. So, but I figured that each time I show up that God has something, somebody in the audience that he has a message for. And so, but thank you for that, John. I
2: have a question um, um what do you do um, on a daily basis that you would say is um one of the most powerful tools you use for for staying sober from your um, you know from your you know your nine one one that you discussed um that keeps you um, that keeps you out of self will
1: yeah well. The gold standard in this program is I work with sponsees. Nothing connects me to God like working with a sponsee. And lately, what I've been doing, because I'm now retired, is I'll find somebody that's willing to meet every day for one hour. And when we meet, you know, we're going through the book, but we go off on all these tangents, and I could just see God flowing through that. Nothing keeps me connected than being used by God as to working with a, a sponsee. And, you know, one thing I'd, I'd like to reiterate for those that are, that's had the spiritual awakening and people are starting to ask them, you know, I'm nobody's, I don't have any power. I'm nobody's solution. And my job is to only help them go through the steps, but it's always, and you can even do that, taking a phone call from somebody, you know, help one save two. That's always the way it is. And it keeps me from when I hit those certain trials and low spots that I do hit that it gives me a little buffer. Yeah. So that's the number one, you know, I, I I slide out of bed every morning and do my prayer work. And I, every night before I go to bed, I do prayer work and I pray to God throughout the day. I just really enjoyed being with God today. You know, before I came in, I would say, I can't wait to spend an eternity with you, but it was, Painful to spend five minutes with him <laughs> during the day. You know, I was like, I'd have to set an alarm and okay, I get to my prayers here. And it was it just, it's just, I was because I'm in self, the God of self. But being free from the God of self, it's everything changes. And I do enjoy just hanging out, and I can feel God's presence, like, oh, there you are. But it's working with others. That's the number one thing.
2: Hey them. Dennis, r- real quickly, I appreciate your uh, your talk immensely.
1: I was curious if early on in your experience with developing a spiritual connection with uh, your higher power, can you describe any situation where you maybe had an expectation from from God to answer a prayer in a certain way or to connect with you in a certain way and you go through that dry spell where you feel like God is just not, not talking or things just don't turn out the way mm-hmm. you want? Have, have you ever experienced that damaging your trust in God and how did you come back from that? I think the practice of of those dry spells are almost absolutely necessary in this program. One of the things I think that helped me was I came into this program in the end stages of sexaholism where the drink no longer would help me. I could act out with two or three people and it just couldn't get the relief. So when I came in, anything was better than in in the, basically, I felt like it's like a prisoner of war camp. Anything was better than that. So, cause if the only other solution I have instead of going forward is to go back there because my disease is not going away. So I just keep pressing in, but, um, I just have to trust that if I have, if God's not answering me, I, first off, I don't have an expectation on how God's going to, I don't have an expectation on how God's going to show up because then I'm back in self if I do. But if, if I'm not getting the answer, I keep working Working with others, just working the program and just keep seeking God and saying, you know, God, I want to be with you right now. I want to connect with you, but not for what I'm wanting, because that doesn't work. It's always trusting that whatever he has for me is exactly right. It's It's exactly where I need to be and what he has for me.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope.